Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. So welcome, welcome, welcome to The Gathering Room again. Here we are together. And today, what we're going to talk about is something I call grit magic. Now, I like to talk about how when, for example, I'm in meditation, uh, I generally feel these days that the moment I, my soul gets quiet, my mind gets quiet, there's a kind of dissolution into this vast flow of energy. And it feels to me like a, a deep, slow river. It's very gentle. It's very soft. It reminds you of the Psalms where it says, you know, walking by the still waters and everything. It's very sweet and soft. And I talk about that a lot here. Be soft on yourself. Be gentle. Life wants you to be happy. Life wants you to be comfortable. Life wants you to be cared for. It's like a tender-hearted mother. And then it occurs to me that that's true, except for the times when the river goes through the rapids or goes over a very, very enormous Niagara Falls-style waterfall, and you don't even have a boat. And the moral of that is the Tao is gentle and soft and loving, and it will kick your ass periodically throughout your life. But this is not a bad thing, I've decided. <laughs> because I'm not in the middle of it right now, because of something called, <clears throat> that I've decided to call grit magic. And this is a different part of our souls. And it's a part that actually would be disappointed if the river of the Tao were always gentle. There's something in the human psyche that loves to pick up a challenge and even loves to go through some level of suffering. And we talk a lot on The Gathering Room about the suffering of grief, the suffering of fear, um, the nasty emotional experiences we all go through. But I'm talking about a, a kind of throwing oneself into the hardness of life and seeing what this human body and human mind that we've been given can actually do in this environment. There's sort of a, a desire to sort of test the bumpers on the cars that we became. And I was, I've been reading, I like to read very different books, books that are as different from each other as they can be, <clears throat> because that's what gives you interesting ideas, is the combination of, of very different things. And because, come to think of it, I kind of like to challenge myself. So I just finished this book by an endurance athlete and Navy SEAL named David Goggins. And if you're into the life should be soft and gentle, don't, don't read this book. But if you're into, you can be tough and you can push yourself as hard as you can and you will feel like more of a person, go ahead, read it. There's lots of profanity. I'm just going to tell you right up front. <clears throat> but this is a guy who I think by the time he was 40, you could properly say he, he, wanted to prove himself the hardest, most badass, and then he used two words, one of which was mother, the other of which was not mother, that ever that God ever made. I will, instead of what the word he used, I will use the phrase young fellow. He wanted to be the hardest, badassest young fellow God ever made. <clears throat> and to that end, he went through Navy SEAL training, not once, but three times, because both of the first two times he got injured, um, the, the third time, which was his last try, 
He had multiple stress fractures in both legs, but he taped his legs together with duct tape and kept going through Navy SEAL Hell Week training, which basically tries everything it can do to kill people. What else did he do? Oh, yeah. He uh, ran 135 miles with no training in one day just to show that he was badass and almost went into kidney failure on that particular occasion. Um, yeah, this was a man, by the time he was in his 40s, I would think it, it, he may not have been the hardest, baddest ass. I don't, maybe like one of the ancient medieval killing people was harder than David Goggins. But I think he may have had more physical exercise than anyone else of his age ever in the history of the world. Try reading this book. He literally slept three hours a day and exercised 21 hours a day. So I thought about this and it was so, I just thought this is not, this is not like me. <laughs> I, I think I hold the record for most hours lying down of anyone who does not have some sort of chronic illness. I kind of have a chronic illness, but if I lie down, it's fine. Um, but as I read it, I found, you know, this is kind of, there is something in me too that loves this. And I was thinking about the marathon monks of Mount Hai. Have I ever talked to you about these guys? It was Hai-on. I think it's Hai. Anyway, they're the monks in this place in Japan where if you choose to do this special training, I think you you run 100 marathons on 100 consecutive days. You have to do this whole circuit. And you have to do all that in the morning before you get back for a full day's work and meditation. And then you do it again the next day for 100 days. At the end of this time, you go without food, water, or sleep for nine straight days. You have to sit up and meditate for nine straight days without food, water, or sleep. The reason it's nine days, because it used to be 10 days, except that everyone who did it on day 10 died. And one guy, there's there's a part of it also where you get up and do a walking meditation and you never sleep. And um, the last guy who tried that died. And his last words were, <laughs> please, please never let anyone do this again. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but I am because it's, these folks went out to seek the toughness. They went out to prove that they, and, and there is that part of us that says, yeah, I can be tough. Now, I believe that this is given to us so that we can use it when grit magic is called for. Grit magic, here, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not doing random hard things just for their own sake. Like um, there was a man who set out to ski down Everest. And as he was going up Everest, before he skied down, there was an avalanche and 18 uh, uh, people died. I think they were mostly Sherpa. And the other Sherpas did not want to keep going. They said, the mountain's angry at us. And he said, but it's skiing down Everest, the greatest thing ever in the history of mankind. And I remember watching that and thinking, you know, I kind of would prefer something that creates maybe happiness or less suffering and more joy from maybe someone in the world that you wouldn't really need to ski down Everest. Anyway, they kept going and a lot of people died and it, he skied down Everest. Yay. For me, that wouldn't be, it wouldn't call up the grit magic. It's not like Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh cutting off his ear um, after an argument to make a point and then giving it 
not to a prostitute as is commonly believed, but to a cleaner at the place where the prostitutes worked. So yeah, that, no, no, that to me, nah, no great magic there. That's just plain old human grittiness. But there will be a time when something happens to you and you will look forward at the near future and you will say, oh, young fellow, (laughs) not that. You will say a bad word and you will think this is going to be hard. It's going to be so hard. I'm not sure I want to do it. But inside you will be a sense of compelling meaning. There will be such a strong desire to make this thing happen. So Ernest Hemingway, they asked him once, do you love writing? And he said, no, I love having written. I kind of love writing after 30 years of it, but I mainly hate it. (laughs) It's the hardest thing I ever do. And and I try to do hard things, as, as Glennon Doyle says. We can do hard things. She can do really hard things. I do moderately hard things. But um, yeah, writing isn't easy. It's the hardest of the hard things. And yet, I know I want to have written. So when you know that something's really hard, but you want to have done it, that is the circumstance when you can call up this very special experience called grit magic. And this is how you know. So you're looking forward in time and the first thing is, oh no, I can't do this, but I really want to have done it. The second thing is you start even though you don't feel ready. So I was talking to Ro today. We were saying, oh, here's what we want to talk about. Start before you feel ready and send your work in before you feel it's complete because that's the way to avoid perfectionism, which is the oppressor. And so you you start before you feel ready and you plod forward and it's not easy going. It isn't, the flow isn't there at first. A lot of my, uh, some of the master coaches that I just trained who are the awesomest, I mean, all my master coaches are great, but these people are tremendous. And um, they really had a hard time going through their training and it was really tough. And all of them, got to the point where they were saying, this is too hard, and then they kept going. So that's a real phenomenon. That's the core of grit magic is you get to the end of it and you find a new level. Like David Goggins describes after his broken leg um, ordeal, he had to do underwater knot tying. I guess in the Navy SEALs to train you, they put you through horrible water training and they have you have to go down underwater and solve all these complicated knots or tie them or untie them or something. Anyway, obviously, I'm not even, <laughs> not in any lifetime will I ever be a Navy SEAL. So he's under there. He's, he hasn't had a chance to get a good breath. He's exhausted. He's done two knots. His instructor with the scuba gear is there staring at him, daring him to fail again. It's his last possible time through the Navy SEAL training. And he's out of oxygen. And at that point, he revs himself up and digs in and finds this new level. And it turns out that people who hold their water for a long, hold their water, hold their breath for a long time underwater. That's what I do that's tough. As a giver of seminars that often last all day, I'm telling you, I have had 
to go for longer without a bathroom break than probably most people. And I, I actually had surgery once on that area of my body. And the surgeon said, and this is true, pound for pound, you have the biggest bladder I've ever seen. <laughs> and I think that it's because of not indulging in my desires for many hours at a time while giving seminars. I just stretched that puppy out. Anyway, David Goggins is having trouble with air, holding the people who try to hold their breath. There's a place where you feel like you can't hold it anymore. And then there's a whole level below that where you have enough oxygen to keep going, but it feels like you can't. And he gets there and he goes into this sort of space beyond anything he's ever experienced. And it becomes the flow. It becomes the Tao. It becomes the softness inside the hardness. And the same thing happens, um, like uh, there's a story, very famous story about Oprah trying really hard to get a part in the, the movie, The Color Purple, because the book was her favorite book. She was obsessed with it. And when she heard they were doing a movie, she desperately wanted it. And she went and tried out for it. And then she saw that there were real actresses trying out for these roles. And she kind of gave up and she thought, oh, I'm so overweight. I'm so not good enough. And she went to a fat farm and she hadn't heard back from them and she couldn't give up on the dream. Here's the thing. You can't give up on the dream. That's how you know the grit magic is coming. You should give up on the dream. Everything says you should give up on it, but you can't. And so she was jogging around the track at the fat farm in the rain thinking, okay, I'm not going to get this. I'm going to surrender my attachment to it. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. And she's jogging and she's miserable and she's exhausted and she's trying to surrender and she's trying to surrender. And she finally falls to her knees in the rain alone out there singing this beautiful hymn called I Surrender All. And when she finally gets to the point where she lets it go, boom, somebody comes out with a cell phone and says, um, Steven Spielberg wants to talk to you. And she gets the phone and he says, if you lose a single pound, you've lost this part. He wanted her just the shape she was. And off she went. And I think she got an Oscar nomination for that role. So that's grit magic. It's when your air is all gone, but by God, you want to finish tying that knot or untying it. It's when you want something so badly and you have to surrender your attachment to it and you finally do. And then boom, the Tao catches you. That's the magic. And it's worth doing. It's worth go going through the agony. And all of us will have agony, emotional agony, physical agony. It's just, it's going to happen, people. So if you want to have done a hard thing, start doing it before you feel ready and keep going it when you, keep going when you don't think you can and push through the barriers and finally feel the current catch you. And it's the softness inside the hardness of human life. And it's a whole different level of mercy. It's a whole different level of beauty. It's a whole different level of this, the experience of being a spiritual being in these little monkey bodies. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five. 
and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So let's go to our questions. Kira says, do you think the human love of challenge has been placed deep within us to keep us continually on a path of evolution and learning, which is maybe the purpose of our time here, Earth School? I do. I also think that if you just looked at it, if you were Richard Dawkins looking at it as pure evolution, you'd probably get a lot of people surviving longer in difficult environments if they really rose to a challenge. On the other hand, if they rose too far to a challenge, you would that would shorten their lineage. So there's a kind of happy medium going on in terms of evolution. But I think that that love of moving forward into difficult unknown territory, maybe it just, it's a little bit of the human brain where our souls can catch on and really go for a ride and say, all right, let's find out how far this brain, this consciousness, this, um, this, intellectual experience of the world that no other animal seems to have. Let's see how far we can take that. And that goes all the way back to our spiritual origins. And it's the biggest explosion of softness inside the hardness of all. That's what in in Hinduism they call the splendor of recognition. You go all the way through the agony of being human until all your humanness has been exhausted and it falls away. And what you see is the universe is an in, inseparable aspect of the divine consciousness. And that is, that's the essence of grit magic. Okay, Jennifer says, how do we know what's worth gritting through and what isn't? If it's not worth it, you will not want to have done it. Like, I remember talking to somebody who was um, going through a PhD. I've talked to a few people, uh, brilliant people who wanted to get PhDs. And they liked the sound of the words or the letters, PhD. But when you say, okay, this is what it consists of. You will sit in seminar rooms with a bunch of people. And then you will take a very, very tiny topic, which no one really cares about. (laughs) Unless you're in the hard sciences. Those are different. But um, And you will beat that sucker to death intellectually for the non-enjoyment of your dissertation advisors. Nobody else will want anything you've done. And then they will give you a degree and possibly a job going to meetings. If you love the sound of that little topic and the and faculty meeting, then do it, do it, do it. But if all you like is the sort of gloss of the idea, like one of my very first clients was a physician. He was a doctor. And like many doctors, he did some really hard things. He pushed himself really, really hard to get through medical school, residency, all that stuff. And now he was a full-fledged physician and he, he was miserable. And he came into my office and he sat down and he said, uh, I hate people and I especially hate to touch them. He hated touching people. He was disgusted by touching people. And yeah, he just was a doctor to say he was a doctor, but he didn't want to do the things doctors do. Now, if you remember the first season of like Grey's Anatomy, 
where you get these surgical interns and they burn to cut open someone's chest and hold the living beating heart in their hands. And they would skip five days of sleep to get a chance to do that. And like, they really want to have fixed someone's heart. They want every step of the process, even though it's so, so hard. That's the grit magic. Just saying, I'm going to do all these hard things to become a doctor because it's a nice sounding word and my parents will like it. It's not going to be magic. You may grit it through, but it won't be, you'll never hit that, that sublime state of the Tao picking you up because you won't be at in integrity and in harmony with yourself. Okay. Uh, Aram Summers says, how do you plow through while also listening to your body without upsetting yourself? I'm thinking of your walking back the cat example with not resting when needing it and ending up with ordering eggs. Oh, there is someone who really knows my last book. Thank you so much. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll spell that out a little bit. When you're unhappy, when you find yourself feeling eh, out of sorts, you're not really doing the things you love with your life, you feel purposeless or off course, one thing you can do is an exercise called walking back the cat, which is something they do in espionage. When a, when an operation goes badly, they go and do a kind of autopsy of what went wrong, a black box analysis. So in my latest book, The Way of Integrity, I talk about one day um, succumbing to the desire to eat food that my doctor told me not to eat, in this case, eggs, which are good for you, but they're not good for me. So probably they're good for you. So I ordered these eggs and I knew I was like, I wasn't, you know, doing what was optimal for my body. That was a kind of compulsive behavior. And that always tells me I'm off course. So I, what you do is you, you play time backwards and you say, when did I first feel, for example, the compulsion to smoke a cigarette or did I start feeling depressed or angry or whatever it was? And you go back like to an hour earlier, an hour before that. Eventually you're going to come to some place where you were fine and then you were kind of not fine. So in my case, I'd been cleaning up a friend's apartment after staying there and it was a hot summer day and we'd gone to the laundry mat down the street. We'd done all the, Roe and I, we'd done all the, the towels and the sheets. We'd washed and dried them all and we brought them back to the apartment and we were tidying up. And I was really hot and I thought I'd like to sit down and have a glass of water, but I didn't because I said, no, I must keep going because it is better never to quit or even to pause because there is a lot of that in the sort of grit, the non-magical grit culture. And that was the moment when I lost touch with myself and you can find moments where you will lose touch with, you have lost touch with yourself. And they aren't, they're the opposite of grit magic. They take you into grit for its own. I'm just going to do this to say I did it. And I don't love the process. I'm not taking care of myself and my joy in the process. When the process itself is what is needed to be, like cleaning the apartment, great. Cleaning it straight through without taking a break or having a glass of water when I was thirsty, not so great. So grit magic is where you're taking care of yourself as best you can, but things are still really, really hard. Nevertheless, you either have to get through it or you want to get through it. And ultimately, everything you have to get through, like even illness or loss or all those things, if the Tao brings it to you, if the way brings it to you, you'll find that its hardness is full of grit magic, is full of softness. So I remember a friend of mine, when, when one of her loved ones got was diagnosed with a terminal illness, 
she called me and she said, oh, this is going to be a hard one. This is going to be a hard one. And I said, yeah, it is. It's going to be a really, really hard one. And it was. And it was so full of grace. And there was so much softness that she found by hanging tough through that process. And I've seen that over and over with many clients, with friends, with myself. So yeah, don't separate from yourself by doing something just for the sake of grit. Do it for the grit magic, which is about the compelling desire to have something, um, to have survived something and done well, thrived through it. Okay. Someone whose name I can't pronounce says, when you start to see or feel negative synchronicity against your dream, how do you like to push through? Do you think of it, uh, do you think it's all a balance of push and surrender? It's interesting. If I'm really sure that this is what I'm meant to have and it seems like things are lining up against me, it's a whole different topic. I did a gathering room on this like years ago. I call it the, the storm before the calm. You know, they say, oh, don't get too comfortable. If you're calm, it's just the storm coming. Well, when there, it feels to me like there are negative synchronicities lining up and it's just too bad to be accidental. To me, it's almost like the archer of the universe pulling back its bow all the way so that it can send an arrow forward. And like when so many negative synchronicities pile up that I start to really despair, I'll right in the worst moment think, wait, this is the storm before the calm. And if it is, if I'm not just off my integrity, if it's really a storm before the calm, that thought will give me a sense of, it's like that extra ability to hold my breath that David Goggins had. It's like the thought, oh, this is the the storm before the calm. There's a calm coming. It enables me, if it's the truth, to hold on longer and to feel more relaxed and to find that zone where I can keep going. So that's a great question, person whose name I can't pronounce. And I'm really glad you asked it. If I were really true to this, I would find a way to pronounce that name, but no, that would just be ordinary grit. So Mama Researcher says, what's the first step to quiet the thoughts, I can't do this hard thing? Oh, I love this question. That thought is just going to be there along with fear, along with reluctance, along with doubt. These are all just passengers. You can go ahead and think it. Just start doing the thing. This thing that you can't do that's going to be too hard. Just start. Start before you feel ready get into it. This is what I was doing with my master coaches all last year. Like just start, but I can't, I know, start. And while you're in the process of it, that's where you find, that's where you find the grit magic and because you can't do it. But if you walk as far as you can, the grit magic will meet you there. If it's something that's really true for you. And that's a wonderful experience. And it's worth starting with all your doubts and fears and um, horror on board. Um, cause if you wait for it to go away, you're never, you're never going to experience the grit magic for sure. You're not, and your life will be smaller than it could have been. Okay. Angie says, can you talk about how to use grit magic on the front front lines of healthcare? Absolutely. If you're on the front lines of healthcare, I hope you're sitting down every single day and saying, for what reason am I taking these risks and working myself to the bone and all that stuff? And if your heart says, because it is my purpose, because it's part of my path, and you feel that grit at the core of you, then put on your gear and wash your hands and go back to the front lines. 
But when you get the thing that says, I'm just doing it to please other people or I'm exhausted, never do it in what they call a fog. Never do it out of fear, obligation, or guilt. That's not grit magic. Grit magic is when you say, um, you know, it's in the New Testament, supposedly Jesus said when he went back to be crucified in Jerusalem, his mother said, why are you doing this? And in the New Testament, which was written 400 years after he died. Nobody knows if he really said this, but in the New Testament, he tells Mary, for this cause came I into the world. And there've been a few things I've done that were so hard. I literally didn't think I'd live through them. And I remember feeling, and that, that phrase coming into my mind, thank you, religious upbringing, for this cause came I into the world. This is something that is part of my purpose. And then I started doing the thing that I knew I couldn't do. And the grit magic met me. Yeah. So Dr. Donna says, can you explain the splendor of recognition again? Sure. In, in Hinduism, one of the ancient stories is that the gods were getting together and they said, we're going to create a material reality. And it's kind of a game of hide and seek. So we're going to hide consciousness within matter. And the purpose of it is to see if it can find us again if we can find ourselves in these material beings. And so they said, where will we hide it? Uh, the consciousness of God. And they thought about the entire world, the entire universe. And they said, aha, the last place that it would ever be <laughs> likely to occur is in the mind of a human being. So let's hide divinity at the core of human minds so that if they go all the way through all their limitations and realize who they really are, they'll be staring right into the face of the divine universe and there will be a, the recognition, the, the human recognizing himself, herself, their self in the God and the God, God recognizing itself in the human. That's the splendor of recognition. That, oh, it's really fun. It's like the best trick ending of all time. Uh, Christine says, are we collectively in the storm before the calm? I freaking hope so, Christine. I really hope so. And you know what? I believe so. I'm willing to take that, that bet. And it feels compelling to me. I'm ready to jump in and do whatever I can to try to bring about a transformation of human consciousness, a different way to live in the world, a way that values the earth and the animals and each other, um, a way that we really have never seen in historical memory. So yeah, I think that's what's happening. And Amna says, this sums up so much of what writing a novel is. Grit magic. Grit. <laughs> grit slash magic slash grit slash magic slash grit until it's done. That is exactly how writing a book feels, a novel or any other kind. And uh, another way I like to think is that our lives, my life is a book that God is writing and God has not decided how, how the ending's going to look or even some of the major plot points. But in me, it's creating the story. And in you, the divinity is creating a beautiful story. And no story is fun without any adventure, any conflict, any need for grit. And that's why grit magic lies at the core of whatever scares you, but is also compellingly your path. So write on, travel on, sail on in the, in the Tao and find the grit magic in the middle of the tough stuff. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. It's wonderful, wonderful always to see you guys. And I'll talk to you later. 
It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.